Hello. Hey. Hey, 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 hey. Hey, buddy. Feeling good? Feeling great? Feeling wonderful? Yeah, yeah. Hey. <laughs> We're bringing the... Oh, do you see uh, Claire and... Yes. Eliana in the background? Yes, briefly. Oh, hey. Hey, they can't hear you, but they're waving. Oh, yeah, yeah. she's waving. Hey. <laughs> she's into it. She requested that she co-host today. That's fine by me. Enjoy. I'll log off. (laughs) No, wrong. (laughs) You and she would be running the show here. Oh. (laughs) Shit. Yeah, it'd be like the um, Nathan for You episode where uh, a tortoise is giving him advice on how to respond in an interview. I've told you about that, right? Yeah. 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 <laughs> uh, anyway, could make for some interesting listening. Where is Nathan for you on? What is the, the... Um, I think you can watch it on Hulu. Mm. Yeah, it's 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 hit or miss. It's hit or miss. Some of it is a uh, is a little bit sophomoric, mm. which I know. <laughs> Which I know you revile, though you are currently trying to get more into the sophomoric, right? Yeah, yeah. Wrestling. I like the dumb dumb stuff. (laughs) But you don't, really. I mean, you do like a lot of dumb. We like a lot. We both like a lot of dumb stuff. It's true. Yeah. Kind of like the Nets. Ooh, sick bird. Dumb Nets. Stupid dumb Nets. Um, Is Hillary... What is she got on the docket in terms of intensively loud home activities for the podcast we, we got some tea going so we that's some... gonna get whistling okay maybe some welding <laughs> no that's more of a lane thing yeah all right a buzzsaw of some kind maybe <laughs> kind of like the boston defense god damn these things write themselves yeah yeah it's uh, a real buzzsaw can can I can't wait for um, <laughs> the Bucks to just torch the Celtics, and the only thing the Nets have to cling to right now is like, well, yes, we have our problems. It was a disastrous year, but we also ran into a really tough team, and then it just get for that to be revealed as like this team isn't that good. Yeah, they just got swept by a Chris Middleton less Bucks team. <laughs> How do you think that series is going to go? Um. Bucks in six. Wow, you're a Bucks guy. Ah, uh, yeah, I always have been. Yeah, I'm. I I don't know. I How long is, I sorry. hope you're right. I mean, actually, I I don't know what I hope because I hate both of those teams. <laughs> right, and both. I mean, and Philadelphia. I guess I'm rooting for Miami now in the East. Yeah, sure, sure. Me too. I suppose. Um, I kind of want the the Victor Oladipo revenge tour. <laughs> when is Middleton supposed to come back? Well, before the series, I guess we're still living in before the series time. Uh, they were saying he wouldn't be back in the second round full stop. But okay. now there are some rumors that maybe in game six or game seven, there's a possibility he could return. Okay. Gotcha. <sighs> but it's a knee thing. Oh, yeah, that's not good. What I would suggest if I were a Boston fan um, is that you send Chris Middleton 
to the to the Nets um, medical facility. <laughs> they'll have a they'll have a look at him. You hack his uh, Google Maps. Right. He will. He'll definitely be back for Game Six of the 2023 series. <laughs> Multiple Once surgeries his ankle later. Ankle is reconstructed. <laughs> We I got some ankle that. soreness. Oh, yeah, you should probably take a game off. Eh, you know what? Why don't I reconstruct it for you? Then, you, then you'll get back out there. <laughs> um, yeah. So, uh, well, I think before we get too, too much further into uh, Nets sure, talk, sure. Mm-hmm. could I ask what you've been up to today? And and again, granularity is king. Um, today, uh, not too much. You know, I, I was just lamenting to Hillary that uh, that I really don't know where the time goes on, on these days like this because yesterday I really I really uh, um, buckled down and got chores done. I did the laundry. I went grocery shopping. So like today I just had to go running and like then I was like, okay, after I do that, there's gonna be time to do whatever, to, to news, to get a hair's cut, to um call my mom. Any number of chores could get could get knocked out. Not that calling my mom is a chore, but, no. but just things that I'm that I you know. Can I ask I can I ask a quick question? I don't mean to interrupt the flow. Sure. Of a of a captivatingly detailed account of your um, anguish over not getting enough done. Yes. But do you ever feel like you're on a lonely one man mission to uh, forever eradicate the term haircut and yes. to and to replace <laughs> it with the plural hairs cut? Because this is I don't know how many episodes this has come up, but you. <laughs> relentlessly point out that you're not getting a single and i know it's a dad joke or whatever but but it does seem like it really it really upsets you when people say they're getting a haircut oh you're not getting one Uh uh-huh um yeah i i just think it's a very charming joke yeah, yeah, right. Some people are animal rights nuts. Some people are global warming fanatics. You <laughs> are a hairs versus haircut type of guy. Well, I, I mean, my favorite story about this is that uh, the story that Alex Williams would tell about one of the the managers or owners at um, the Sixty Six Diner who came in on like a day he wasn't working to the diner. And people were like, you know, oh, you got a haircut. He's like, actually, I got all my hairs cut. And Alex was like, it became clear very quickly that he had only come in so that he could tell people that joke over and over and over again. <laughs> uh, yeah. Okay. So that so he's the he's the genesis for your exact exact your uh, revolutionary zeal. I I hope to to one day be as as um, devout as that guy. <laughs> um, so anyway, back to your lack of productivity. What do you, what do you think? Can you attribute it to? I don't know. I don't know. Is it bad t- time management? Is well, I w- it part of it partially? Definitely. I mean, one of it is I wake up late. 
Mm-hmm. Um, the second thing is, yeah, and I, I do, you know, my stretches take a long time. Um, and, uh, but yeah, other than that, I, I don't really know, you know, well, I, you're, I, you're a big proponent uh, when we talk about the nets of, of reframing expectations, right? Yeah. So going into the playoffs, you wanted to reframe it from, Hey, we could win the championship to, Hey, we could like win a game basically. <laughs> well, that was, that was, uh, yeah, it. absolutely. Even in the, even in the, the most, um, pessimistic of reframes there was still a game one um so you didn't reframe hard enough but why don't you just reframe these days where you sort of lower the bar in terms of what you're expecting from yourself yeah i suppose that's right okay okay great that's fair um why don't you go ahead and and uh welcome people back (laughs) folks Welcome back to another episode of Maybe Next Time. I am your host, William Blue Earth, my co-host, uh, Simon McCormack. Nets Nation, are you ready for a trio of pessimism? <laughs> we are back as we are each and every unrelenting week to talk all things Simon's Time Management. Uh, yeah, we are back, of course, as we are each and every week. Uh, we have a very, very special guest on this week, Simon. He is a frequent guest on the show. We last had him, according to my Skype log, uh, in November of 2021. So we got him early season, I think maybe even preseason, to get his projections on what the season would look like. Um, like everyone, including Las Vegas, I think the expectations were a bit higher than getting swept out of the first round and being in the play-in. <laughs> but we'll get into how disastrously off the rails this season went with our guest, who is Simon. Friend of the show, Steve Lichtenstein. Steve Lichtenstein. So we are going to get to an interview with him right now. Now, enjoy that, and then we will come back to wrap things up after we talk with Steve. Uh, Just before we head out, Simon, I wanted to read for our our listeners who have been following along with the auction of the um, both ABA banners, championship banners of the Nets that went on auction a few months back. Um, We've talked about this offline, but our listeners don't know. We pointed out that they were being sold at auction. Um, And when we looked at them last and talked about them last on the show, they were up for sale, both banners, for $1,800, which we were scandalized by. We actually contemplated trying to bid on them ourselves. In the end, 28 people bid on them. Not a huge market out there. No. Uh, and both championship banners, probably the most prized memorabilia in all of Nets Nation, sold for $7,878. So yeah. definitely that is in the range where I couldn't justify um, going, going halvesies with you on that. Yeah. But not that far out of the range. No. That would be like... 
you know, we're in the doghouse for, for a few weeks <laughs> Yeah, but the cool thing is, we were when we were talking about it originally, we thought it was for a single banner. And then the whole logistics of who gets to hang the banner and when, how we do the manage the share was going to be pretty overwhelming. Right. Um, this is both banners, so each of us could have our own banner up. 24 7 365 i feel like that gets us out of the doghouse real quick <laughs> that they <laughs> i'm not sure what your dog consists of, where would you hang the nets championship banner in, in your home in my it's big it has to a, be pretty big yeah in the world of my own creation yeah you see this wall behind me yeah right up there huh yeah, I think I would do it too in the in the in the main wall in the living room behind the television. Yeah, move aside and let the banner come through. <laughs> All right, well, uh, Simon, it's time to turn to Steve now, and then we'll be back with the people. And uh-huh. it's and it is more active. Is it? Uh, is Steve here? Yes, I am. I apologize. Oh, hey. I've had computer issues. No worries. Hey, Steve, great to have you. Uh, great, great to be with you. It's been a bit of a trying couple of uh, minutes here. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, we're, nope. we're uh, in the middle of – we were just recording uh, some podcasts, so – yeah, I understand. I, are you I'm supposed uh, to be on a while ago? I apologize. <laughs> no problem. No are you are you ready to just get right into business here? Of course, I'm always ready. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, uh, Simon, you want to welcome Steve? Sure, folks. Joining us now um, is uh, the man, the myth, the legend, the friend of show, Steve Lichtenstein. Um, folks can read his stuff, including his excellent season recap that I know William and I were both big fans of at stevelichenstein.substack.com. Um, subscribe to his Substack. It's free. There's no reason or uh, impediment that should keep you from from subscribing. Uh, the name is Steve, and then it's L-I-C-H-T-E-N-S-T-E-I-N.substack.com. Um, thank you so much, Steve, for, for joining us. Well, thank you for the introduction and getting the spelling correct. Sure, I'm. I to be fair, I am reading it. So, okay. uh, yeah, this is a, a podcast about the nets and uh, spelling. So, thank you for that, Simon. <laughs> yeah. Steve, if you yes, don't sir. mind, I'd like to just read the beginning of the the article that Simon mentioned because okay. I think it's a good I think it's a good starting point for our conversation. Thank you. Uh, So you wrote, this was the most disappointing season in my nearly 50 years of Nets fandom. Hyped by everyone from Las Vegas to Brooklyn as a favorite for the league title, the Nets ended up as a seventh place team who couldn't win a single playoff game. The play-in victory over Cleveland doesn't count in NBA postseason records. uh, That is the perfect encapsulation of, I think, how pretty much every Nets fan has felt about this season, Steve. Why, what was, what of the many, many disappointments was the most disappointing thing about this season for you? Well, my line always is, is that, you know, Murphy's Law told the Nets, hold my beer. 
<laughs> because everything that could go wrong did, and it really started with Kyrie Irving and his decision not to get vaccinated. Illogical, insane, and the fact that none of his teammates really called him out on it is was very disappointing. We we know that the, you know that they did it passive aggressively, like James Harden decided not to play anymore, and you know basically passive aggressively willed his way out of town. But you know it you, you put the blame. You know, in every there's so many different places to put the blame, starting with Sean Marks and all the things he got wrong last off season, which some of which I endorsed at the time. You know, I thought Paul Millsap would be a pretty good addition, but Steve Nash, the coach, thought he was a, a five only. You know, everyone's a, it talks about positionless basketball. Well, all these guys, Blake Griffin, Lamarcus Aldridge, Paul Millsap. They're fives. They can't play anywhere else. But meanwhile, Steph, uh, Seth Curry can guard uh, uh, Daniel Tice in the post and under the backboards. So, <laughs> I wouldn't, I wouldn't say he can, he can guard uh, anyone in the, in the post. No, I'm but... just saying that. <laughs> no, Nash I know what you okay mean. I know. That. So, that, that, you know, there's so much play. So you have Irving, you have Marks, you have Nash, uh, who basically, you know, the only way he could win any games is if he could ride – uh, Kevin Durant into the ground, uh, and you know he didn't really come up with anything during the postseason to help his club get better looks. Uh, the, the, his decision to continually switch and allow mismatches all over the court when there were so many different things he could have done. He could have blitzed. He could have uh, hedged and recovered. There's iced. There's so many different ways to guard a pick and roll. He just, just, you know what, we'll just switch. We'll put, you know, we'll let Tatum go one-on-one with Curry or Irving and just have his way. Um, so there was Nash, there's Marks, there's Irving. And I guess the last one, you know, James Harden, I guess, bears a little bit of blame himself because, you know, instead of fighting through adversity, he does what he always does. You know, it's not my fault. I want out. I'm going to, you know, I'm not going to try. You know, I, there, there were some clips I'm sure you've seen them where he he's barely moving on the defensive end. Mm-hmm. So, you know, pick that, your poison. That Kings game, that Kings game uh, yeah, that looms large. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, as I said, pick your poison. They all killed the net. <laughs> well, since he, since since disappointing is the is the theme of this podcast. And I asked Simon a similar question recently. Uh, who was more disappointed? Who are who are you more disappointed in, James Harden or Kyrie Irving this season? Oh, Kyrie Irving for no doubt. I mean, the guy doesn't want to play basketball. I mean, the reason that uh, he's just he's untradeable is because who's going to want to give a max contract to a player who you know who knows what the latest geopolitical issue <laughs> will come up. You know that will make him not want to play basketball. Uh, what, what has he played? Like a hundred games as a Nets? I don't think that as, many. As a Nets, you know. Yeah. And some of them are legitimate injuries. But you know what? I don't know if he could have come back in the bubble. You know when he had that shoulder injury, but he certainly wasn't going to do that. Play with those uh, those other stiffs. He, he wasn't going to rush himself back for that. Yeah, and. Um... Yeah, absolutely. Well, so Steve, do you, so you bring up an interesting point, which is, and we've talked about this, but, but, but the stuff I'm reading, like from Bobby Marks, et cetera, is saying, is basically saying, well, the Nets are like locked into 
if Kyrie will re-sign, like they, they pretty much have to sign him. They're already over the cap without him. Um, and you just have to like bite the bullet and, and, you know, take the medicine because he's, he's a ride or die with, with Durant. But as you said, he's not tradable. Is there any market? Like, do you get the sense that there's any market for him? Do you think that there's any, like, is it really inevitable that the Nets must sign Kyrie Irving? Well, the reason they must re-sign Kyrie Irving is because if they don't, Kevin Durant will say, I want out. And we all know it doesn't matter what kind of contract you have, a superstar player who wants out gets out. And then you're back to, you know, trying to build a team like they did in 2016 with no draft picks, no assets, and you have to start from scratch all over again. Um, so you, you have to keep Kevin Durant happy. And as of now, I don't know if things will change. Kevin Durant still thinks Kyrie Irving's his buddy, wants to play with him. And look, I mean, Irving, when he does have his head on straight, he's a fantastic player. You know, one of the most skilled players ever in terms of his handles and his finishing. But, you know, the issue is, you know, what's his, what's his motivation these days? And that's been a problem in Brooklyn, but it's also was a problem in Boston and maybe it was in Cleveland. I don't know. But, um, you know, for the Nets point of view, they have to, I don't know if they, I don't know what Irving wants. Does he want one plus one and just reevaluate his situation every year? Or does he really want the full, you know, max to match what Durant has? So, uh, I'm not privy to that as of now. Um, I imagine they'll get started, you know, on that in the next month or two. Speaking of speaking of someone who uh, has tanked their trade value, um, where are you at with Ben Simmons today? Well, I don't, I don't know if you've read the archives, but I was against yes. Ben Simmons from the beginning. I thought you got to find a third team. Get John Collins from Atlanta. Just you know, just get someone who. You know who has their head on straight. This guy, I, I don't know. I, it could be the people that are around him. You ever see the Showtime thing they did on him when he was at LSU? Yes, I did. And I seen it. That made him look like such a. Can I say asshole on your show? Please. Yes, absolutely. He, he was. He looked like such an asshole in that, and and I, I've hated him since. He when he was in Philadelphia, every year they try to get him to work on his weakness, which is shooting, and you know. He just doesn't put in the work. And then, you know, he just he wanted it to be his team and not Embiid's team. And, you know, it's a lot of this stuff goes back to the agents. You know, Embiid has a different agent than him and then Simmons. And they all, you know, all those little petty jealousies come into play. And obviously the Sixers chose correctly and decided we're going to put all our, our, uh, our money on Embiid. I mean, they gave Simmons the contract, but it was going to be Embiid's team. And Simmons, uh, oh, you know, because he can't shoot, you know, the, he developed the yips in last year's playoffs against Atlanta, passing up the layup, miss, missing every free throw. And, you know, whether or not the mental issues are real or not, I, you have to uh, allow for the assumption that they are. It, you know, that doesn't change who he was before that. You know, he, Sam Cassell, who is a very well-liked assistant, former net, you know, tried to get him to come back to Philadelphia and Simmons wanted none of it. You know, but he, uh, Cassell flew to LA to try to get him to, you know, to try to mend fences 
And, you know, the Simmons is just that kind of has been that kind of person, at least uh, from what I've heard. Yeah, I always I always reference that documentary about him because in it, it was always someone else's fault. Right. Like in high school, he had the wrong coach. So he had to go to a different school. It was just like he could never, ever take personal responsibility. Um, also, something like uh, similar to uh, Kyrie in that respect. Um, yeah. But it's just, yeah, it's just, I don't, I don't hold out much faith. And I think similar to Kyrie, I just can't imagine what other team is going to want to, want to take them on. They're, they're going to read your articles and then watch what happened. And, <laughs> you know, it's just, it's just they not don't happening. They to read my articles. They, they understand. Otherwise there would have probably been a third team. I can't imagine Sean Mark saying, you know what? We want Ben Simmons who hasn't played all year. And we're trying to win now for Kevin Durant coming back and Kyrie Irving. We're trying to win now. So we want a player who hasn't played all year and has, you know, legit. He may have legitimate mental issues that he has to work through this. You know, I, I can't imagine that uh, Sean Marks wanted that. I, I can only think that they tried to get a third team in and, and no one was biting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Let's at least hope. That's what I'll tell myself. The, <laughs> The, the, um, I'm curious though, cause Steve, you mentioned, uh, that we don't want to be back in the 2016 land, but in the, in the scenario where, where Durant says, I want out cause you didn't sign Kyrie or you otherwise didn't make me happy. We then could get a bunch of picks for Durant. Would you be opposed to, to that sort of blow it up scenario? No, because they, they there's still a possibility that they can turn around. They just have to make the right decisions, and and that by that I mean players and coach. I was never for Nash either. I I thought it was a very high risk maneuver to try to get a guy who's never coached, assistant or head at any level. He basically was, uh, you know, a consultant in Golden State, and you had a good relationship with Durant. But remember when Mark said he was brought in not for the X's and O's, but because of what a master communicator he is. Yeah, his well, EQ. he just had, yeah, he just had four players quit on him, you know, between Irving, Millsap, Harden, and Simmons. I don't know if "quit" is the right word in all cases, but effectively speaking, they all said, "I'm not playing for you." So when is this, when is this communication skill thing gonna start, you know, to benefit the Nets? Do you think he's around next season? My prediction was always that he was going to mutually agree to part ways with the Nets. That was my prediction from the, before the season. I, honestly, I don't know if what's happening right now. Um, they haven't had their year-end uh, media session like they always do. Uh, kind of, I made a joke there, nixing it. You know, with the play on words because of the Knicks, who never, who Leon Rose never speaks to the media. Um. So my thought is Nash is a family guy. He's made $100 million uh, in his playing career. He, you know, he can do whatever he likes at this point. Was he, he, and he seemed like he wasn't having fun this season. You know, last season there was a lot of trying times, but you got the sense that he was enjoying the process of developing into a coach. When I was watching him, I wasn't involved this year. I didn't have access to the – press credentials so i didn't get to ask anything but i did watch and his demeanor was totally different this year i think he was a little more exasperated i think that's a 
good word for how he was feeling. Whether or not he wants to go through that potentially again, I don't know. But I don't think Marks will fire him I do, because um, the only way he would is if Durant says, we need someone better. Yeah, and at least publicly uh, Durant has, has backed him. Well, he would never – He would never. Durant would never say publicly that he wants a new coach, but you would hear about it. And right. Maybe you will in the next couple of weeks. I don't know. But um... – Steve, I'll tell you where I think I, I one of the reasons I think you're right about um, Steve wanting to leave is that he said the exact opposite in his uh, in his last press conference that he was, you know, he loved doing this. It's going to be a shame to say goodbye. And, you know, we really grew, et cetera. And I just feel like there are so many examples this year of Steve Nash saying something and the exact opposite being true. In other words, you're calling him a liar. Just... Well, I mean, he's not the only head coach. To... <laughs> I know, I'm, but the Nets have been have been killed properly so for their lack of transparency, for their for their flat out lying. You know, there's a, you can say no comment, and 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 move on, but to say flat out that James Harden is going to be is not going to be traded, we're not trading James Harden, and the next day he's traded. You you know. Steve Nash is involved in the conversations about trading Steve or uh, James Harden. So, <laughs> yeah, I, I wouldn't believe anything that Nash says. Like I said, I was really just noticing his demeanor, how, you know, his body language, how he was reacting to questions, because sometimes, you know, he can he can be a little playful, even in the more trying circumstances. Uh, I saw less of that this year. Um. So. I think it's fair to say we're all pretty down on Kyrie. We're all pretty down on Ben Simmons and Steve Nash. Uh, Kevin Durant had by far the worst series of his playoff career. Uh, Do you think that was entirely attributable to the formidable Boston defense? Or do you think this could be a sign that KD maybe is not, uh, you know, if not the best player in the league, top three guy in the league anymore. I would say C roster construction. <laughs> okay. If you had traded Al Horford for Andre Drummond, who wins the series? I mean, Al really? Horford was incredible. Make... Yeah. If you have a guy who is, you know, who can make all those threes at the five, so that really Bruce Brown is the only quote unquote non shooter who wins the series. Yeah, no, I, I, I mean, I think it would be more of, a, of the toss up that everybody thought it would be. You know, I don't think I would think Kevin Durant would have had a lot more space. Yeah. Um, speaking of our, our, our dear friend, Bruce Brown, do you think he's coming back next year? Well, I, that was my last Nets article. And, uh, it obviously, uh, it's up to what the owner wants to pay. Because if they give him, let's say, $14, 15000000 million, I think, ten, no, the number that Bobby Marks used was $10 million equals another $36 million in luxury taxes. Wow. So, you know, if he goes from $4.7 million to ten, and he's going to get more than ten, that's that in itself is $36 million. So if the owner says, you know, just keep keep the spigots open, I don't care about luxury taxes, yeah, I think he'll be back because I think they need Simmons insurance. Because they don't know when Simmons is ever going to play, and Brown is really the only 
perimeter defender that they have. And I, I forgot the joke I used. It's like saying that it's the fastest guy on crutches. He's the best perimeter defender on pets. <laughs> or, I mean, I, I kind of feel like Claxton could be our best perimeter defender. Not, but you want that's the problem. With all the switching, you know, Claxton jumps out. I got him. I'm going to take the guard. And meanwhile, <laughs> Daniel Tice is underneath for the for the rebound and put that. <laughs> right. So you, you need, you, you know, or they swing the ball and someone drives into an area where there's no rim protection. You need to have your centers close to the rim. Um, yes, you want to switch. If you have other big bodies around who can who can handle the, the inside rough stuff. Do you think most beautiful man in the league, Nick Claxton, will be back next season? Or is he gone as a restricted free agent? I think he'll be back because the Nets can match any offer. If I mean, who's going to give Nick Claxton, you know, like a uh, Otto Porter type offer sheet? You know, he just missed what fifteen out of seventeen free throws in the playoffs. You know, he didn't. His defensive numbers when he was out on Tatum weren't that good. You know, he does some good things. He's young enough that he can get better. But you know, those kind of guys, they're they're not that hard to find. I mean, the hardest thing to find is 3 and D wings, and that's where the Nets need to put their money. Um, I, I think uh, I, I think they'll re-sign him because it's just it's an asset that they can trade. If someone signs him to a $10 million offer sheet, you match it, and then maybe use him in a trade for a wing. Do you – so who – do you see any, like, a realistic – uh, option or or options at the three and D wing that you think the Nets could, given their uh, limitations, um, get? Well, I was always pretty fond of Jeremy Grant, but I was told some negative things about him. So, um, you know, I I just thought you know because he was a Durant guy from you know the Prince George's County in Maryland uh, that he would be a good fit, but. I honestly don't know. I haven't really started to think about it. I'm still still trying to process what the hell just happened. Um, <laughs> and, you know, and also, you know, where what kind of organizational structure are they going to have? Uh, you know, is Mark's going to still be in charge of everything? I mean, we don't we we don't know because they haven't they haven't come in front of the media yet. Well, Kyrie described it. He and right, KD him, right. and Marks and Cy will be the four decision right, not makers. Not Nash, though. Not Nash. No, so. no, no Nash. No Nash. Well, he was never really the coach. Kyrie was the coach as well right. as, as everyone else. So you have to remember that Sean Marks uh, had an opportunity to get a stronger coach, but he didn't want one because he wanted a guy that, you know, he could put Jacques Vaughn as his lead assistant and give him Vanderpool you know, force him upon him. I mean, I mean, there were so many better options than Steve Nash. My favorite being Ty Lu. I think if Ty Lu was the coach, you know, this kind of epic disaster of a four-game sweep wouldn't have happened. Yeah, we were Ty Lu uh, fans at the time. What, what, um, what, um, Steve? Are there coaches out there to be had that you'd be interested in? Well, there's one who is already kind of on staff, and that's Steve Clifford, who is known to be a very good defensive coach. Uh, he was consulting with Nash this year, but they kind of got away from some of the things that they tried, probably because of all the upheaval in the lineups. Some of this, and you know, I can't blame Nash for you know, with all the COVID stuff, 
Irving's not his fault. Um, Harden going AWOL. Durant getting hurt. Uh, you know, when you're playing a lineup of David Duke Jr. and Kessler Edwards and Dayron Sharp, and you know, and you have all those guys, they don't know what they're doing on the court. <laughs> you know, Camp Tom, especially Camp Thomas on the defensive end. So they're, they're very limited in how they can play. There's really no practice time. So uh, they, I think they could be more multiple with a guy like Clifford from the start, and I think that would help them. I would love to see uh, how Kyrie takes to Steve Clifford. <laughs> well, I mean, it, there's a sense that not, you know players want to be coached, and they, and if, you know, as long as the coach treats them like men and not babies, you know, they want to be coached. And if they're winning and they're being coached well, you know, they'll they'll accept it. I mean, the best thing that happened to Boston was Scott, was uh, Brad Stevens moving up to GM because he gave Adoka, you know, they he told the, those stars Tatum and Brown, even when they were going bad, you're doing this Adoka's way. And they gave him the authority to lay down the law. And if something, you know, if something needed to be done drastic, Adoka was in position to do it and didn't have to worry about his job. Um, I, I think players want to, in the end, want to be coached. Yeah. You know, everyone talks about Thibodeau. Uh, good players want to be coached like that. You know, Derek Rose will, you know, nobody would think Derek Rose is you know, someone who would be so coachable because he's so naturally gifted, but he loves Thibodeau. Jimmy Butler loves Thibodeau. You know, those kind of guys want to be coached, want to get better. And I think, you know, someone like Durant would appreciate that. Durant is a basketball junkie. Oh, totally. I think Durant, I think Durant would, I think at this point though, as we were saying earlier, I think that Kyrie's just so out on, on really being in the NBA anymore. Yeah. But, but you know, if, Durant respects your your coaching ability. That goes a long way, and mm-hmm. he can talk to Kyrie about just you know playing basketball. Just play basketball. That's all you have to do. You don't have to coach. You just play basketball. Um, can can we get your take? And we'll we'll wrap this up soon. Um, but can we get your take on the rookies, Cam Kessler and and Dayron Sharp? Uh, Hopeful for any of their futures. Kessler's the uh, a three and D wing in theory. Are you any optimism on that front? Well, it depends. We'll see what happens this summer. I mean, it's all about off season improvement. You can't really take everybody's rookie year and try to uh, build a, build a, a certain model based on it because some guys will plateau. Some guys will just fall off the NBA roster lists. Um, Camp Thomas had some unique uh, offensive abilities that he was able to show during the regular season, but he's got to work on his defense. He's got to get stronger. He's got to also you know, be more consistent with his three-point shooting. You know, Daron Sharp is probably the one that um, I'm most worried about because you just can't you can't teach size, and you know he's just a little too short unless he really develops into an Al Horford type player mm-hmm. where he can move out and hit three-point shots uh, because he is a very good rebounder and he does have a nose for the ball. But, you know, at his size, you know, he's not a starting caliber player and doesn't really project to be unless unless he works on his body and his game and his skills. So it's really hard to play. Edwards, I was always most hopeful for him because of his position. You know, he just, I don't know, it's just something about him. He, 
doesn't have the quick twitch thing that makes you know players great. Uh, I, I understand he is a sponge and rarely makes the same mistake twice. You know, he's he's not like TLC he used to foul three point shooters left and right. This you know he might do it once, but he understands then you know how to come from the side and when you're contesting so you're not in the landing area of the shooter. Um, so he's got a good head on his shoulders. But, you know, again, there's just a lot of skill work that needs to be developed. You know, fixing that shot that's got a lot of it's got quite a hitch in it. Uh, yeah, um, that shot is really ugly for a guy who's you know, billed as a 3 and D guy. Right. You got to get stronger because there were times where people just went right through him to the rim. So, you know, uh, you don't give up on him until you see what they come back like next summer. Summer League should be fun for a change. <laughs> well, I don't know. Last year was was okay because of Cam, but otherwise, I didn't get it. Who was that guard that played with them? It was a veteran. Oh, oh um, Brandon Knight. Yes. Yeah. That, that's what every Nets fan wants to see. Brandon Knight <laughs> all the reps. I had him on my fantasy team like seven years ago, and he was really good. So I still hold on to hope for Brandon. Knight. <laughs> right. So. You know, we'll we'll see next summer league. I think all three of them should play, and maybe David Duke Jr. as well will probably be invited to play. Yeah, yeah. I see what a back. summer of work did for their games. So what? What? Um, Steve, just my my last question is: Where do you? What do you think the Nets? We've talked about what you'd like to see. What do you think the Nets are going to do in in the off season? Oh, I don't have any idea. It all, you know, it's top down. Does the owner want to spend? Does he want, you know, he spent, what, did, what was his luxury tax bill? Over $100 million this year? Broke, you know, only the Warriors were more. I think broke the record that Prokhorov set back in 2014. Um, does he want to continue to do that? You know, how much has his Alibaba stock, though, fallen since the, uh, since the inflation hit? Um it, it all starts with him. He, he's going to lay out the budget. And if the budget says keep spending, well, they have a lot of options. If it says we got to cut back because we're, this is just not good enough to win. Well, there's going to be there's going to be some pain. Uh, you know, they, they might not they won't be able to resign Brown. Like I said, I think they can match Claxton and can definitely trade him. Um, but I don't know. Uh, you know, you're basically looking at veteran minimum contracts and one guy with the mid taxpayer mid level. Yeah, yeah, which is a lot like what we what we just saw. Yeah. Um, okay. Well, uh, William, do you have any other cues? Uh, no, I gotta I gotta get rolling anyway. Uh, okay. But thank you, Steve, for for hopping on. We needed. We needed to process some of this with someone else who's who's experiencing um, the disappointment like we are. I do think oh, I, we asked last episode. Do you think any any Nets fan out there enjoyed this season? I mean, there are people who just like the you know being part of the entertainment. Uh, well, the people in the Brooklyn Brigade or the Brooklyn Block, or whatever what they're called. Um, they they had a great time. They went to road games. Um, you know they they enjoyed the communal uh, effect of teams following team sports and um, you know watching Kevin Durant like my daughter I took my daughter to one game and that was the day against the Knicks where he scored 53 points I mean that's 
that's just not a normal day in an NBA game. I right. Mean, some there are games like that where, you know, you, you get to see things that you don't normally see, and you appreciate them. But oh. you know, in the general picture sense, no, it was it was not a good year. Still, that's a that's a very positive note to end on, Steve. And uh, we we needed that silver lining here after what has been a miserable season. Well, wait till next year, right? That's the Brooklyn Dodgers saying. So. All right. Well, we will definitely have you on um, before next season to preview what is sure to be a season that leads to something better than uh, being swept out of the first round. I thank you so much for having me and being a little patient with uh, with uh, with me today. Of course. Thank you, Steve. All right. Bye. 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 So, uh, long story told, very, very short, um, we waited a bit for Steve, didn't come, but then, as you just heard, he did come. Woohoo! So, in the time that we were waiting for him, we went ahead and recorded a podcast, or part of a podcast anyway, and you are about to hear that, uh, apologies in advance for any repetition from what we got into with Steve. But I think you'll find it pretty compelling stuff. Enjoy. All right, Simon, you sent me uh, a tweet, right? And and you said, this is your comment to a tweet. You said, yikes, again. Also, if we have time to discuss on this episode, no rush, I don't think. We should title the segment Hell Hath No Fury Like a Scoop Hound Scorned, baby. And that was you sharing uh, Sham Sharania, noted Scoop Hound, uh, his article on what's next with Ben Simmons. Why hath hell no fury like a Scoop Hound Scorned? Well, to me, and we can get into the substance of this, but... but um... It was interesting to me, as you as you talked about, William, Shams is a clutch client. He's a stenographer. He any and, and, and a stenographer, right. Um and I think my this is just pure guesswork here, but I um as far as I know, Woj got the story first that there was this meeting between um clutch and uh, Sean Marks and quote unquote um, Nets leadership uh, that um, where they where basically Ben Simmons side I'm not ready to play I need more help in the mental frame of things my back hurts I'm not playing and you know I need more help I still really want to play for you but uh, I'm not playing now Um and to me, that what stuck with me is the end of this article uh-huh. where um, Shams basically goes through all of the players that have felt some pain in them uh, during the playoffs and are still playing uh, Robert Williams, right? He came back to, to help crush the Nets in the fourth game, uh, third and fourth game. Um Joel Embiid, this is before his orbital fracture, 
but with his thumb thing, John Collins, Steph Curry, like he just names all of these people to sort of hammer home the point that um, in the playoffs in particular, players can play with pain, um, including sore back, the dreaded sore back. Um, so I just found that interesting because, yeah, as you said, it's usually just like really awkwardly, weirdly, and precisely, nevertheless, precisely phrased, uh, words, um, in the form of a story, uh, that, um, is just, yeah, just a sort of press release for whoever it is that you're talking to. Um, but he's thrown in these like sort of like jabs at, um, at Ben Simmons, which I think sort of. Maybe because he he feels hurt that uh, Rich Paul didn't um, give him the the big scoop on this. Um, so do you think that it it was an unfair article for Ben? No, I mean no, not unfair. Just odd for yeah. Shams to be writing it. No, yeah, definitely yeah, yeah. not unfair. Do you think it? Do you think that it's uh, perhaps suggesting that? clutch themselves are getting a little frustrated yeah, getting it that that could be the other explanation is like rich Paul's like, that's sort of what i read from that's what i took away from that story that yeah. clutch is like all right we've just debased we've been called you know horrible things all year for having sort of tried to leverage this guy through all these awkward situations and get our money back from Philly and blah, 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 blah. But like, at some point we just need this motherfucker to play basketball for us. Otherwise, like, what are we all doing here? Um, yeah. Yeah. And we'll see if that ever happens. Uh, I guess Simon, this is the episode after the episode where we talk about how the season, um, was tragically ending. Uh, the yeah. season has officially ended, I guess we should have said, before launching into whatever it is we've talked about up to this point. The season <laughs> is formally over. Uh, the, the team is off to Cancun, as they say. Yep. Um, something tells me this team did not go on a team vacation after this season. <laughs> I could see KD and Kyrie having gone on a vacation together. Yeah, no, he's actually KD is in was in Monaco last night to cheer on uh, former net Mike James. Oh, love Mike James. <laughs> he yeah, was he a was. bubble. He was a bubble hero. Or no, he was a lot. Yeah, he was. Um, or was it, didn't he come he, in the bubble though, and then make it to the next season? Or was he not in the bubble? Oh, maybe. I don't remember. I definitely remember him last year and remember thinking it was pretty, pretty wacky that he was getting like at least a few playoff minutes. Um, especially when Harden was out. Uh, yeah. Well, regardless, he's a, he's a, he's a KD guy. It would appear. Right. Okay. Well, miss you, Mike James. Um, you were a lot more fun to cheer for than this year's Nets team. <laughs> <laughs> this, we were having Steve on. We may still have him on. Who knows? He may come later in the episode. I can't predict the future. Can you, listeners? If so, um, I'm going to predict that you email us at maybe time at gmail.com to tell us about how you can predict the future. Anyway, yeah. this episode is basically meant to... 
uh, we wanted Steve's take, and we'll give you ours, on why this was the most um, miserable season in Steve's 50-year career of, of uh, fan career of being a fan of the Nets and why it's easily, hands down, unequivocally the most unpleasant, uh, unenjoyable season for us to be fans. Uh, ben Simmons, as we just talked about, was who we got for James Harden, who we had gotten by trading away everything that we once loved about this team in order to get. Uh, showed flashes of brilliance in last year's playoffs, then hurt his hammy and has never been the same. Then he broke our heart midway through the season because his uh, backcourt mate decided not to play for two-thirds of the season. <laughs> so then James Harden decided never to play another game at all, full stop for us. Yeah. Uh, who do you – let's just – let's start with those two. Who do you dislike more, James Harden or Kyrie Irving? Kyrie Irving. Same, because but... <laughs> he's still in our lives. It's clear. I mean, uh, we now know from the exit interview that he is not only our occasional point guard, but he is also uh, the general manager of the Nets. Right. Um, A fun revelation. He... In collaboration, of course, with KD, Sean, and uh, the actual GM, Sean Marks, and J Joe, cucked Joe. Um, the, the, uh, um, and not mentioned in that also is Steve Nash, uh, who, you know, you might want to throw a, throw a, a bone to it, um, while you're declaring that you're managing this team. Um, it's so funny because it comes off of the, it, it like, uh, like I think the day after was that um, story that KD, uh, where KD is like, oh, I'm not, I'm not, you know, I, I don't have a big say in what people get. I, if if uh, somebody, you know, if Sean Marks texts me, hey, we're thinking about this guy, I'll I'll say, you know, you know, interesting because I, I just want to know who who I'm playing with, and maybe I'll send them a text to try to recruit them. You know, do do what I can to, you know, get them to sign with us. But, um, you know, I I don't know. I'm not you know whatever. Right. Meanwhile, right. Kyrie's like it's the four of us, and really it's the two of us. Um. So which do you find more believable, Simon? That Kyrie Irving, as he said maybe one or two seasons ago, is the coach because anyone's the coach or do you find it more believable that he is the general manager as he has just said? Now? <laughs> um, or do you think he's that? Cause you know, there were player coaches for a long time, right? Mm -hmm. uh, Bill Russell was a player coach for a bit. Do you think Kyrie Irving is the first ever player coach general manager? Right. And there's also been coach GMs. Yes, there have been um, coach GMs, sure, like a Thibodeau right. or a Doc Rivers, right. So there have been coach GMs, there have been player coaches. Player coaches. There's never been a player GM that I'm aware of, and there's no. certainly never been a player coach GM <laughs> until now. I think it's I think it's very fitting for, for Kyrie to declare himself uh, player coach GM um, on the heels of one of his worst playoff performances. Yes. <laughs> where his job as player was performed very badly. Yes. I would say that any general manager 
who uh in in good faith hired Kyrie Irving to be on their team should be fired. <laughs> now, I doubt that the player coach GM would fire himself, but no. um that's just a sign of maybe the fact that he should not be the manager of this team. Uh, Simon, of course, people are hand-wringing the many bizarre, of, of course, inevitably bizarre exit interview comments of Kyrie Irving. But the, the real question is, um, how many years are we extending him to this, this summer? <laughs> how many more joyful seasons do we have in front of us? Right. It, it can be anywhere from one to five. <laughs> um, but it, I don't think it can be zero, sadly. Um, I mean, I would love for it to be zero. Let me just say, I would love for it to be zero. And as I think I said last week, I if I were the GM and was empowered by ownership, I would say to Kevin Durant, I do not want Kyrie Irving on this team. He's not going to be on this team next year i mean i guess he could opt in and we'd be forced to have him on but if he does do that we're going to trade him for whatever we can get uh, on the market and um if that upsets you totally understand i understand you came here with the expectation that you'd be here with Kyrie. um that's okay we'll work with you to um to get you traded and we'll we'll take on a, a big pack of picks and uh, and 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 uh, maybe some some interesting young talent talented players. Blow it up and start from scratch because I don't. I mean, and again, I would rather Kevin Durant stick around. I really still enjoy watching Kevin Durant. Um, and even if it isn't a championship team, I enjoy Kevin Durant. I'm fine with that. But. Um, but I understand, as everyone has said, oh, if you're going to trade Kyrie, you better start trading Kevin Durant. And my point would be, that's right. That's the Nets' leverage, is if the Nets get to the place where they're like, you know what, that's okay. That's an outcome we're okay with. Then you have leverage. It's only when you start dealing in the realm of like, whatever Kevin Durant wants, whatever it takes to keep him and if that's keeping Kyrie Irving, then we have no leverage. We have to give him whatever contract he wants. You know, that's that's when you start thinking that way. And, and that's how, like, at least the early, um, like, like Bobby Marks's, uh, like, Nets, um, you know, off-season to-do list thing was like, yeah, it's going to be terrible. It's a terrible contract. Kyrie Irving's a nightmare, but you have to sign him. Right. And I think that Nets Nation is, is um, resigning itself to that. I want to, Simon, get to the headline of the week here, which is related. Um, It's from Nets Daily. It says, CNBC, when a basketball flop affects bottom line, are Nets seen as dysfunctional business? Question mark. So I want to read a few quotes from here, Simon, and this will sort of fully immerse ourselves and our listeners in just what a fucking dumpster fire we're living through here <laughs> in Nets Nation. 
So first line, on Thursday, Ramona Shelburne went on ESPN's NBA Today to discuss the Nets, telling Richard Jefferson and Brian Windhorst that the team wants to revert to their old blue-collar culture and end the two years of drama that's hurt the on-court product. I would love that. I used to love that team. (laughs) Sorry, I'm afraid that's not going to be possible with a GM named Kyrie Irving. Uh, Further down in the article, it says, in short, sponsors don't like losers. Young also quoted an anonymous NBA executive who thinks while the Nets succeeded in marketing their clean sweep in Big Three, the promise was never fulfilled on the court. You think? Uh, We all got mesmerized by it, the executive told Young. And we were incorrect in assessing those guys as a real threat to the title. It's the perfect example where marketing truly superseded substance. Simon, do you think that this whiz-bang exec here is correct in his analysis that marketing superseded substance? Yes, I am. I, 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 I think that is... That is correct. It's interesting to me that they can't actually point to anything that would indicate that, like, it's bad for business, though. Right. Like, it seems like it was really good for business. Yeah. All year. ratings, all sales, et cetera, et cetera, are up from a from a purely business perspective. Simon, can I ask you another question? Mm-hmm. Do you know anyone, perhaps you host a podcast with, who from <laughs> the very second that we got Kyrie and KD <laughs> said... This is a complete disaster on the scale of getting Kevin um, Garnett and washed up Paul Pierce. Uh, yes, it was you, you jerk. <laughs> uh, but I will say you went through a phase where you were super bullish on the Nets when we had James Hart. I will say that I, I have, as soon as we got Kyrie Irving... I despaired and I despaired hard and that despair proved to be warranted because in his first season he played 20 games and then tried to destroy the bubble that we were participating in. Mm -hmm. Um, And then the next year was um, a complete, uh, I mean, the, the Nets just weren't that good with Kyrie Irving and he was of course in and out and injured most of the time when i finally began to care at all or think this team had any chance at all it was because kyrie irving was moved to the third spot in the hierarchy and we brought in at the time a still very 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 good james harden who immediately led to um had the highest winning percentage of of any net last season and they looked unstoppable in the playoffs until derailed by injuries um in no small part due to Kyrie's injury that ended his playoffs for the, I don't know, 72nd time in his career. Um, so, yeah, basically, uh, there there was a, a time, if this is your gotcha, there was a time that I, <laughs> that I was high on it, but it certainly had nothing to do with Kevin Durant. I mean, sorry, um, with Kyrie Irving. It was in spite of Kyrie Irving. Um, right. I thought that the greatness of, of Harden and KD could um, prevail over the rotting toxicity of Kyrie Irving. Um, instead, the rotting of toxicity of, of Kyrie Irving has prevailed, as we all know, and we are mired in his 
in Kyrie land and Kyrie land looks like things like getting swept in the first round or canceling bubbles or declaring that you're the coach or declaring you're the GM or getting Kitty Atkinson fired or keeping DeAndre Jordan over Jared Allen or any of the myriad things that Kyrie brings to a team that uh, aren't very fun for fans to endure. Yeah. Now then the DeAndre thing, KD probably deserves some blame too. Yeah. Yeah. I and mean, he's the, not, and, the, and just fight. being the, like, Allowing yourself to be taken in by Kyrie Irving is also on KD, right? Yeah. Like you yeah. don't you don't want to you don't want to blame anyone who's in clearly in a really unhealthy bad relationship. <laughs> um, yeah. But at some you know there is some personal responsibility there. Uh, in in yes, in this scenario, he's not. It's not. It's not a situation where, like my life is dependent on this person. <laughs> right um no I, and i would also add to that that um just to get back to ben simmons we also have a f- festering nightmare of ben simmons to deal with so okay like, let's yeah i mean this is this is the wallowing in our own muck episode which which situation do you think is worse the kyrie irving or the ben simmons i guess it's kyrie irving again i do just because he is going to stir more, he's going to be more proactively bad than right. Ben Simmons. Yeah. He's, he's going to cause more damage, but yeah. He... What's more, what's more damaging the complete absence of Ben Simmons <laughs> or the overwhelming presence of Kyrie Irving? <laughs> but it is, I would say, in some respects, it is more the, – the Ben Simmons thing is more frustrating because for all of – for all of and, – and less understandable because for all of like Kyrie's quirks and eccentricities and sort of like high-minded stuff that he tries to sort of peddle, he mostly when you get right down to it to me is just a narcissistic prick of whom is kind of – you know – we've encountered narcissistic pricks before in our lives, you know, mm-hmm. like you get them, they're jerks. You want to get away from them. They're toxic, but you get it. Um, and, but the Ben Simmons thing is truly weird. Oh yeah. Um, like it's really something that I like, and I just don't like, I don't know about you, William, but like, and again, I'm not a mental health expert. I am not trying to demean, the importance of mental health or the, the, you know, ways in which mental health affects people's lives. But at this point, it doesn't seem like Ben Simmons is like, as far as, as, far as we know, like having trouble, like getting out of bed, um, you know, putting like, on very nice clothes, right. Being able to find joy in something pers- you know what I mean? And Being affianced. It's right. Right. He has a social life, a love life, every, you know, He's not like emotionally or mentally crippled. He he can't do NBA basketball, <laughs> which like fine. I can't do NBA basketball for any number of reasons. One of which one of which is that it would be very stressful to play in front of eighteen thousand people who might boo me. To mm-hmm. to know that millions of people are watching me from home, possibly booing me, like that would suck. Um, but I don't think that that means I have like a mental block, you know what I mean? I, I, I just don't like, I, like 
like what are the net i guess my question is like what are the nets supposed to do if like this guy doesn't play because it seems like the answer for now at least is like hey we'll just keep working with you keep hoping you get you know back to that place but like at what point do we do what the sixers did and say like i'm sorry you have to play i can't possibly (laughs) give you 35 million dollars for this right exactly yeah no i i mean the thing is things things were bad in nets nation uh in the during the the paul pierce kevin uh garnett fiasco right yeah but those guys were just not as good as we wanted them to be at basketball now Uh we're into literally two unprecedented situations the Kyrie Irving thing where you don't play any home games until the end of the season (laughs) that is literally unprecedented that's never happened before and if the Ben Simmons thing has happened before I can like Markel Fultz is sort of that but Markel Fultz still did occasionally play games yeah Mm -hmm. um so I don't think there's anyone who just completely sits out for an entire season and certainly not at like all NBA level players who just can't play basketball anymore. So we're now mired in this situation <laughs> where you have two unprecedentedly weird scenarios on your team. Yes. And yes. yes, while it it's, I think you, you've used the, the expression mental health, definitely playing a big role here. But it's 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 a shocking turn of history that two of the biggest mental health cases probably in the history of the league are <laughs> both happening one simultaneously right in 2022 <laughs> and two on the very same team like how 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 crazy is it? that we happen to be super fans of the one team at this very bizarre historical moment where these two people meet (laughs) (laughs) these two people who want no part of being in the NBA and yet are getting paid tens of millions of dollars to be in the NBA. And we have to sit there and I guess cheer for them. Yeah. Well, right. Totally. And, and, and with, 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 Ben Simmons is like, let's dream a little wild fantasy, William, and say that he does play some games next year. Does anyone on earth, let alone in Nets Nation, think that, like, in the playoffs, that guy is going to be good? <laughs> like, are you like, does that, like, they talk about, like, oh, you want that guy in your foxhole or whatever. There right. is no one I want less in the foxhole. No, he's a bad. Uh, you'd rather have Kyrie. Yes. And Kyrie, Kyrie is unloading a grenade that he of of his own choosing in the foxhole with you, and yet you'd still rather have him. Exactly. Uh, no, it's it's. Uh, we're not good at military metaphors. I'm sorry, folks. Uh, we know what a foxhole is, though. Um, <laughs> the. It, yeah, I, I, I don't know which one I'm more frustrated by. I think it's Kyrie, just because we've had him for longer. So as you can see, we got cut off there. Um, 
because Steve popped on and you got that wonderful interview. Anyway, yeah, this was a weird one um, because you're going to get once more the 900 number. This is like the 13th time in the episode. Um, but I think you'll see in the end uh, it was all worth it. This journey that we've been on together, uh, one of discovery and exploration and uh, all sorts of other things. Anyway, we are thrilled that you joined us. As always, we look forward to this time of the week to break down all things Nets Nation with you, our listener, and uh, with Simon, who's no longer here with me. I'm alone in a room staring into the abyss, as I imagine many Nets players are in this offseason. Okay. Uh, uh, here's our outro, or rather, another break, and then our outro. So, you've got about forty-five more seconds. Enjoy. Hey, 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 buddy! Uh, great interview. I'm gonna cut this up so that it makes some sense later. Okay. But I have to go. I, this has gone way too long, and I need to to attend to the data so uh folks we will go ahead and uh, see you next time i was tired of my lady we'd been together too long like a worn out recording of a favorite song so while she lay there sleeping i read the paper in bed the personal columns there was this letter I read 